Welcome to another edition of the You Listen, I Talk podcast. I'm your co-host, James Kay, and sitting beside me is your other co-host, Pat Lynch. Pat, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. Uh, weather's getting nice out. NBA postseason's coming up. It's a lot, a lot to in our, uh, unpack. Yeah, man. I'm really excited. We're finally approaching uh, the postseason. But uh, before we get into today's episode, we encourage you to subscribe to our page on SoundCloud and the Apple Podcast app. And if you want to contact us, you can always do so at youlistenitalkmailbag at gmail.com. And you can always follow us at youlisten underscore italk. That's capital Y-U, capital L, listen, underscore, capital I, capital T, talk. That's the best I can do, leaving that as smooth as possible. Um, But, Pat, just going back to basketball now. Like Last year, it kind of felt like the season went into overdrive, and we just sprinted through the regular season, um, and we just kind of just got to the playoffs pretty naturally. This year, though, it just feels like it moved so fucking slow, man. I don't know. Like, there's just been so much drama and turmoil. Like, there's been a lot going on with a lot of teams and players. Yeah, like, yeah, a lot of things that we didn't expect. I mean, we Mm -hmm. see like, we see teams like the Clippers still staying in playoff hunt after they traded away their their best best player. player. Yeah, exactly. And then we see teams. We see LeBron not in the playoffs for the first time in like 13, 15 years, however many years it is. So it's a huge different shakeup. We'll see Toronto, or, uh, Toronto too now being a legit contender and now in the East. So there's a lot. There's a lot, and it just like I'm just I've reached I'm like close to reaching my maximum capacity of being able to talk about this season. You know? Oh yeah, I know. Well, I feel like half the talk with every or half the talk about the NBA this season is. A, is been about all the potential free agents this summer. Exactly. And like how big, of, you know, the whole we could, the whole landscape of the league could change this summer. So I mean, that's why everyone's been talking about it. I've got only a little bit left in me, to, and that's going to be in this podcast talking about this regular season. Definitely. I've been yeah. texting so many people, just been like, "Give me your take, Giannis or Harden," or like, you know, just like oh, running it out. You know I mean, I, mean? I got to give it to James Harden. I think you got to give it to oh. the man back to back years. I think. Actually, I was just saying, like, texting people in general. Like, oh. like, what do you do? Like, who's defensive player of the year? Just in general, you know what I mean? But, like, because yeah. uh, I want to, because before we give our takes on sure. the MVP, I want to say this, like, to start off with the MVP Go conversation. Ahead. I think, well, first off, before we start going back and forth, I just want to, like, take a step back from the madness and, like, really appreciate what we've seen from Giannis and Harden. Like, there's no bad decision here, you know what I mean? These are both all-time great season and great seasons. And, you know, it's been said over and over again, but we've seen a re- reincarnation of 1990 Shaq and Giannis and how the way he's been dominating the East. And, yep. um, you know, we're seeing James Harden take his offensive game to new heights, which I honestly didn't see, like, I didn't think was possible. And we've only seen a score, like, in terms of scoring, we haven't seen any season like this. And we've only seen from, well... We've only seen this type of season from, like, three other players in NBA history. Um, it's magnificent. And, like, if you're out there and you're bitter about one player being favored over the other, you're just not appreciating what you're watching. Um, and, like, that sucks uh, because we don't see this often. You know no, what I mean? Yeah, we don't. So, I mean, yeah. Go ahead. You finish that. But. I, I'm just saying that, like, you know, I went probably, like, a decade. Not a decade. Probably, like, five to seven years where I didn't appreciate LeBron James I mean, partly oh. because he was destroying my Celtics teams. Right. 
But there's just something to be said. Like, I've kind of learned from that. Like, even though I can be frustrated with LeBron, I still appreciate what he's able to do. Exactly. That, I mean, for me, that that guy growing up for me was Kobe Bryant. You know, I was uh-huh. a huge D-Wade and LeBron guy growing up. And I seeing him win all the time, it really took me a while. It, like, it hit me really hard his, you know, his final year. Yeah. Just kind of like D-Wade's final year. But, yeah. It, Kobe's one of those guys that uh, I really learned to appreciate as I got older. And that's I just wish we could apply that to all these different situations yeah. we see in the NBA because this is truly special what we've been able to see this season from these guys. Um, but anyway, with all that said, tell me why James Harden is your MVP pick. James Harden, for me, is my MVP pick because simply he's more valuable to the Rockets, I think, than Giannis Antetokounmpo is to the Bucks. I mean, right right now, the the Rockets are the third team, third best team in the, in the West, and they started off terrible, 4-7, and seven, and they were getting off to a horrible start, and everyone was freaking out. The whole Carmelo Anthony experiment didn't work, and they basically you know, tried even to get Trevor Ariza back, but... They were in a really bad situation early on in the season, and especially when Chris Paul went down. And this is when James Harden just went berserk, psycho mode. You know, he had um, right now he's averaging thirty six points a game with seven seven point six assists, which is seventh in the league, and he's leading the league in scoring. And his body work just is straight up more MVP worthy, I think. I mean, Giannis does have the better, I think. Um, Analytic, the analytics say that Giannis may be better. He affects the game more. You know, is affects more wins. But I think James Harden's better. I'm gonna just list off a few of these stats. Um, Harden had 32 straight games of having 30 more points. You know, per game, uh-huh. he had eight 50 point games. One of them was a 61 point game in the Garden. Yeah. And then this is another. It's just so absurd because he has more 50 point games than he has games scored less than 25 points, and that something that blows my mind. And I, when I think about the Rockets, when he's not on the court, like they're com- they're not completely different, but like they're not as effective as they are. Like James Harden, he straight up leads to wins. He his stats say it all. And I, I mean, people criticize the way he's been playing this year and the way the Rocket style has been, but it's gotten them from the second that how bad they were from second worst in the West to the third best team in the East. And I think they could definitely challenge Golden State if they play each other in the playoffs. So before I give my take, because I'm. Uh, I am Team Giannis in this case. Um, I just want to reiterate that because I'm picking Giannis, that I'm, and like while I make the case for him, I'm not going to try to trash Harden. Like it's hard to make a case like when you respect these two players and there's in the seasons that they've had, it's hard not to like kind of naturally trash what the other one has done. I'm going to try to avoid that at all costs. But I'm going to say this: what Giannis is able to do <clears throat> offensively and defensively for uh, the Bucks, I think, is a little bit more valuable to the Bucks than it is for like James uh for like to the Rockets like like when you watch Giannis play and it's something that you really can't pick up on like just looking at the stats he guards right. positions one through five he's like we saw a couple nights ago he blocked Joel Embiid four right. times you know what I mean and and like you know he's also averaging 28 points a game without being able to shoot threes right. he's made 52 threes on 203 attempts and um, shooting like not even twenty five percent. No. Yeah. So there's like and he's still averaging twenty eight points a game. You know, like that is like uh, that to me blows my mind. I get it. Really, it reminds me of Shaq. You oh. Know? Well, looking at it from like a physical dominance perspective, yeah, he is like kind of like 
something you can compare to Shaq, what Shaq was, you know, on the Lakers and on the Magic. I mean, it's just dominating force in the paint. I mean, he's kind of like what Ben Simmons should be almost, yeah, to, you know, totally. to, to a certain extent. But, uh, I mean, they have a little bit of different games, but they can play the same way because of their size and length. Exactly. So, obviously, you can't knock James Harden for not being someone like Giannis, who, by the way, grew right. three inches after he was drafted in the NBA. Um, but also, Giannis is doing this at with his usage rate at 32%. Now, obviously, that's high, but James yeah. Harden's at 40%. And right. he has to be because, you know, like he had that period where he just had to put the team on his back. Yeah. Totally respectable. Um, but, I mean, Giannis could be doing more. It's just like, it's kind of why people draw parallels to Jason Tatum, why he's not able to be a 20-point scorer yet. It's because of the system. Right. So, like, Budenhoser is like, again, he's done a great job with this team. Um, but he doesn't want Giannis to be the only one scoring. And uh, what he's done is that he's, you know, made Giannis a distributor. Also, he's averaging the most assists um, he's ever had in the season. Yeah. Um, and he surrounded him with shooters. So maybe also that helps his case a little bit. But really, Giannis, like his usage percentage is still down and compared to hard. Like 8%. I mean, think about how many opportunities Giannis would have to be scoring. Yeah. He'd probably be closer to 30 to 31 points a game if he, you know, if he had that right. higher usage rate even. Um, but I think the biggest thing for me... Going back through this, like again, I've just spent so long on both of these guys' basketball reference pages. I had to take a step back from it, and I thought about when James Harden should have won the MVP when Russ averaged his triple double season, like had his triple double okay, season. Okay, yeah, no, I definitely look back at that one as well. And you know, we like, what the biggest thing for Russ that season was the like the history. It was factor. the history. Yeah, yeah, and absolutely. I don't want to equate what Harden's doing this season to that necessarily, but. If we're just looking at this season alone and we take the history out of it, like, I part of me wants to give it to Giannis. He's going to have the better seed in the East. And, it's, you know, his team was seventh last year. It's not like uh, – and it's pretty much the same cast as well. So, like, honestly, while Budenholzer deserves credit, Giannis took his game to just a new level with the intensity Absolutely. That and I kind of – I do want to notice one – or point out one thing. Yeah, his shooting percentage from three is only 25%. But he's made more than he's had in his whole career. And I think it's – he – I do remember listening to – I think – I forget who it was. But um, Mike Budenholzer said that Giannis has the green light. Because you see him at the top of the key sometimes getting having guys sag off him and he won't shoot it. He's got that green light. To, but, like, it come once this becomes more consistent than it already is, then it can be very dangerous. And he can be like a shack with a jump shot. I mean, how terrifying is that? It's – you can't guard it. I mean, you see – Today you kind of see bigs like you know coaches throwing anyone on Kawhi. We saw Joel guarding, trying to guard him, and he's just not fast enough or agile enough for Giannis too. And you place like a like a wing guy like a Kawhi or whatever, it's he's just not as big, and it's just like he creates a mismatch at every single position. He really does. Um, and I don't know, like just going back to like the Russ point though, it's just like. I don't know. I kind of feel like I want to be consistent because I feel like I was on the rust train when it happened. I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm ashamed of it because Harden, yeah. again, really put, literally put up the same stats um, and like was more valuable to his team. And actually, it led to wins, actually. Um, and I want to stay consistent with that train yeah. of thought here. I think that's why I would give it to Giannis. Well, I think the NBA likes to stay consistent. I've, it's, mm-hmm. I mean, the past few years, it's gone to the best player other than Russ. The, that you, We talked about how that was a historic thing. But last year, we, James Harden, he led the league, I think. I don't know if it was in scoring, but 
Um, he, you know, he, did, he was, yeah. yeah, he was led the league in scoring, was top five assists as well. Russ also averaged a triple double, but the Rockets had the one seed and he won the MVP. This year, we see the Bucks with the number one overall seed, with Giannis averaging 27 in 12 and a half rebounds and it going to him. So I think the NBA's kind of been using this kind of, uh, not like, uh, profile, but like certain criteria, maybe. And I think. But I, I, I mean, truly, if I, I'm, if I received a vote, I'm voting for James Harden, and he's not that far back behind the Bucks record anyway. And that's the thing; he's yeah. starting to creep up where he could actually, like, the Rockets can end up being the two seed, which didn't even seem like possible, like right. in what November? No, no, they were, yeah, they were like eight games under 500, and then they were Chris the Ball. second worst team in yeah. the West, yeah, exactly. statistically. Yeah, statistically. so. Yeah. I mean, that kind of shows you what kind of tear James Harden had to, what he had to go through just to get this team back on his feet. I'm just, I am just hesitant rewarding someone who's able to, like, just take the ball that much and, like, yeah, you know. Right. But again, not trying to shit on what Harden's done. He's done, in, like, what he's done this season is, it's one of the greatest offensive seasons we've ever seen. Yeah, since um, maybe a Michael Jordan year. Or, yeah. Since that Kobe 20 or 35.7 point uh, game year. Yeah, that. Exactly. Um, let's move the defensive player of the year. Sure. Um, who did you put? It, I am, we haven't actually shared each other's like thoughts on this, so I'm curious. What's your defensive player of the year? Um, I like Rudy Gobert again. I mean, kind of the story with. I mean, I'm looking. You can say Giannis. You can maybe say Paul George. And I thought it could have been Paul George. I, I think if he would have not gotten hurt this past like month and you know stayed really consistent on offense and defensive end, but I think we give it to Rudy Gobert again. I mean, he. He's averaging thir- about 13 rebounds. He's third in the league in, in um, blocks behind mm-hmm. Mitchell Robinson and I think um, like one other player. But I mean, he's 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 kind of the me- reason why the Jazz are so good defensively because he's such a good anchor down low. And this year he's improved offensively sp- so much, averaging or I think his shooting percentage is 67. percent It just adds more to versatility to his game because he's got I think the second biggest wingspan in the NBA behind yeah. Obamba for someone who doesn't play so I think he's very imposes a huge will on, on defenses and it will be um, first team all defense along with I think NBA defensive player of the year and that's a total fair pick he's like my second pick um I have Giannis winning Defensive Player really? of the Year. I'm winning both MVP and Defensive Player of the Year. If that happens, he'll be the first person since Hakeem Olajuwon did it. I think it was 93, 94. And uh, the only other person to do it would be Jordan in 90, uh, 86, 87. Yeah, because he's averaging 1.3 steals, 1.5 yep. blocks, along with the 12.5 rebounds. So, yeah, exactly. So he's first in the league in defensive ratings, second in defensive rebounds, and third in defensive win shares. So... He's putting up the numbers to do it. And, like, again, just look at the eye test of what this guy is doing yeah. on a night-to-night basis. He's able to cover so much ground out there. And he really just changes what, like, the, the scheme. Like, this yeah. is the kind of guy that, like, totally. when you look at Defensive Player of the Year, you probably want to, like, in the back of your mind, you're thinking, like, how does this guy impact the game plan? And there's no player outside of Gobert. And you can probably put Embiid out there as well. Um, his numbers at the rim aren't great, but that's kind of messed up because of uh what like the um, i don't know like the, the the sixers change up their game plan with when b comes out but um you know what Giannis is able to do and like he changes the game plan completely for this team absolutely and it's like yeah and him on a defensive end he can guard one through five easily exactly you know probably better than 
almost any other player in the league, I think. Exactly. It's like literally him and Gobert that really are able to do that. And Gobert, I mean, he can't cover, you know. He can't cover wings like he can, but. Exactly. So I think Giannis uh, should take it home. It would be really cool to see someone win it. Oh, uh, totally. I think, was is Jordan the only one to do that? Yeah, him and Elijah. Oh, Elijah. Okay, right. So that would be kind of cool. But I, I, w- I wish Paul George could win this award. No, I would. It would be great to see a wing win this award. I mean, he was having such a good season. I thought it would have been great to see him win Defensive Player of the Year. Because I mean, Kawhi has won too, and mm-hmm. I think, um, yeah, I mean, Giannis could very well win it too. But I mean, um, Rudy Gobert, what is he's won it? What the past? Just one year or two years? I thought it was just one year because then I okay. thought Draymond won it. Also. Yeah. Oh, that's probably right. Yeah. So. It'd be cool to see that, but also Paul George. I don't think he's ever. He's. I don't think he's ever won the award. It'd just be kind of. I don't know. He. For there was a while there where Paul George was like the best player in the NBA, and he was playing oh, out. He of his was mind. ripping everyone out, and you know his perimeter defense was superior. And his, you know, shoulder just caught up with him again, and uh, kind of just derailed his season and the Thunder season. Honestly, yeah, uh, they're absolutely. in real trouble here, um, but. Let's just keep moving right along. How about Coach of the Year? Um, I think this is an interesting conversation, but who do you have as Coach um, of the Year? I like Mike Budenholzer mm-hmm. right over like Nick Nurse. And I think, I mean, Nick Nurse doesn't get as much credit, but I think Mike Budenholzer, coming from Greg Popovich, Spurs system guy, um, he's been able to hold down the Bucks superior this well. I mean, they've had a lot of injuries outside of Giannis with Malcolm Brogdon being down for probably most of the playoffs. Um, he hasn't been gone for that long. No, he hasn't been, that, been gone that for that long, but I know he's going to be out going into the playoffs. Yeah. But he's been out with also like Miritich for a little bit. Um, I think – I don't – was anyone else hurt? I think – I don't know, but I think he's he's done a great job at his lineups and rotations with the Bucks. I mean, this is the first time the Bucks have really taken a jump. Like you said earlier, they were the seventh seed yeah. last year. And same coach, same and same players, and just I don't know. Came Giannis has a lot to do with I think mm-hmm. why um, the Bucks are so good. But I think Mike Budenholzer knows exactly how to you know pl- fit guys around Giannis onto the Kubo and, and know how to maximize his like potentials. And that's what we've seen out of this Bucks team this year. And you got to give the credit to Mike Budenholzer. One hundred percent. And like again, the rosters are just not that different from last year. No, you know it's I mean? pretty identical. They lost Jabari, who honestly addition by subtraction. Yeah, if we're being we're, honest. Yeah. Um, Actually, I have a fun scoop for you later on that because sure. one of my friends knows uh, Jim Boylan. He told me okay. some shit about Jabari. Okay. Um, but so, yeah, I think that, and then maybe the addition of George Hill, and yeah. then you could say the that Malcolm Brogdon player. has been like he stepped up his game this year. But I mean, he's been pretty consistent throughout his NBA career. Yeah. So it's not a like a completely different roster. Yeah. It's just shifting the players, maximizing their ability. Yeah, he's got the most out of Chris Middleton too, who's a pretty versatile wing that like came out of nowhere. Had his first, and made his first All Star. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So yeah, he's really known how to mesh this starting five, you know, together around Giannis. And I think it's great. And the use of Brooke Lopez, I mean, oh, it makes yeah. the Lakers look like the dumbest organization. He, yeah, he stretches them out now with the amount of threes he shoots now. It's crazy. It's, it's he's yeah. yeah. It's, the NBA has turned into something crazy for bigs. That's all great for Mike Budenholzer, but I'm this award deserves to go to Mike Malone. Honestly, you think? I really do. So he came into the to what about Denver. Nick Nurse. 
I think he's also very underrated. Yeah, that's what I mean. There's a, there were a lot of there were a lot of coaches that can win this award. Yeah, and you know honestly, I mean? that deserve to win the award. Not Doc Rivers. Win. Yeah, Doc that's what Rivers. I mean. Him too. The, there's no reason why the Clippers should be the eighth seed. No, you know what I mean. They and should, should be a lottery pick. On honestly, five. the the spot that takes them up it would be you know the Lakers, Lakers and yeah. you know they would be out. And I understand that whole argument. Um, you know, and also Doc kind of messed up the roster when he was the GM. So maybe he's out. But I think Mike Ballone, I mean, he has turned this team like around in a way that most people didn't see. Now, offensively last year, the Nuggets were an elite team. A lot of people didn't see that going into this season. Um, you know, and I, I mean, you know, again, I hate to keep bringing it up, but like I was like really high on them because of that. And But even then there was like they were – I only saw them as like a four seed, you know what I mean? And yeah. Now they were like seed. flirting with the – Two seed, but they were right. also flirting with the number one seed. You know what I mean? And for a team that, like again, was just in the bottom of the league and like in every defensive category imaginable, they kind of turned it around. I mean, the opponents have the worst three point percentage against them, and you know, and are six in the league in opponents' points per game. So I don't know, man. Like I think that what he's able to do, like they had a hole on defense. And the roster is not that much different. You know what no. I mean? The things that work against Budenholzer work for Malone in this case. And I think you kind of have to give it to him. I know that Budenholzer is like, you know, he, he's uh, coaching the only 60-win team in the league right now. But what Malone has done with the, the same roster and how he's able to use Jokic in a way. I mean, there's no other player like Jokic in the league, really. But the way that Malone's able to maximize what he's done with Jokic, it, it's pretty incredible. And... Um, I don't, again, when we talk about these awards, we want to just focus on one season. But in two, like Malone came in in 2015, and he's able to work with Jokic to the point where he's able yeah. to really take this team to the new level. I would give it to him, but I know that's probably an unpopular opinion. Yeah, I mean, you can say a lot for a lot of the same for Nick Nurse as well. Mm-hmm. Of, um, the Raptors' new head, first-year head coach. After, I mean, we all kind of. I mean, I think most people think firing Dwayne Casey wasn't like. The main reason wasn't like the smartest move, but I mean, yeah, get acquiring Ky- or acquiring Kawhi Leonard has helped them so much, and I think the rotations that Nick Nurse has been able to throw, he's done so many different rotations with this versatile and deep Raptors team. Like, I think their starting five can compete the best with. Cold State's starting five from a matchup in defensive wise, and like they have a lot of guys that can come off the bench and like interchange with all their starters. So I think give you got to give Nick Nurse a lot because they're also second in the East and they got a very healthy, effective MVP caliber uh, um, season out of Kawhi Leonard. They did, but they also did it with him only playing like I think they played less than sixty games this year. You know what I mean? Like this guy, I mean, as great as he's been, and when he's on the court, I mean, he's an MVP candidate um, almost, but. Um, yeah, no, what, the, what he's able to do with this team. And I also want to give credit to, like, Danny Green because he added a – like, he Great was kind of veteran, a throwing yeah. <clears throat> kind of player. And yeah, he's been – Part of that trade. Yeah, and he's been kind of not, like, the MVP of the team, but he's in the talks for it, you know, yeah. I mean, what he's been able to do. Um, I mean, I just feel like anytime you have someone who can – Give you twenty like the potential of adding twenty points in a playoff game oh, yeah. as a role player. That's going to be valuable. What, let's move right along to rookie of the year. I think for like ninety percent of the year, everyone was saying Luca, and now yeah. it's kind of turned uh, a little bit. Um, Until but, about a month ago. Yeah. So who do you think is rookie of the year? Uh, I think it's, you got to give it to Luca Doncic. Mm-hmm. I know there's a strong ar- argument for Trey Young and what he's been doing. He's hit a lot of 
um, pretty good game winners the past like few weeks or so. But I think Luka Doncic, I've never really seen a rookie adapt to the NBA game so quickly and so well. Like watching him play, he's so poised. He's so under control with the ball in his hands, and his playmaking skills are already superior. Like he could have, I voted for him to be an All Star. I think at one uh-huh. point, like just doing the fan vote because I mean he's he's such a great like watch too. I mean he, the other day he crossed up. I, I forget who to who it was, but his step back's great. Like he's he's just such an entertaining player, and I mean he can be so effective effective going forward, especially with Chris Dabbs Porzingis once he's healthy. I mean he averaged twenty one seven. Point seven to five point nine assists per year as a rookie, like that. He's, it's ridiculous, and he's also, I think, yeah, he's the first teenager with multiple triple doubles with one thirty point triple double, and I think that's something that like you can really like show how you know comfortable he is in this NBA setting. I love Luca, and I, I also want to go back to like my same sentiment about I'm not trying to trash one player because I think what the other one should win the, another like the award. I actually think that Luca should win Rookie of the Year. But this, like, I guess got to give a shout-out to Trey. And, like, you, gr- those are great stats. I'm also under the impre- like, under the opinion that triple-doubles have become a little overrated. And yeah, and that is, that's become more of a thing of the past few years. But, I mean, I just think about That's hard to do as, as a, rookie, a rookie because as a rookie. rookies don't know what to expect right away. But, like, he's just been so poised. And, like, th- this, like, looking at his body work this year, is it's showing a for the potential of a long, like, 15, 20-year career in the NBA. Since his last month in Oklahoma, Trey Young has been the biggest target by NBA or basketball media in general, man. Like, and I think he carried a certain like I don't know. Th- there was just that monster on his back, that phantasm, li- like, yeah. like that's just in his ear. When you have these people, just want to see you fail exactly. to get clicks. Luca was considered the wonder boy of the the league the second he walked into Dallas, man. Yeah, he was handed the reins of the franchise. Dirk held on to it since what I think 1999, and just yeah. gave him to Luca, and they were able to take off. I'd also argue that Luca had a better roster around him that fits his game. He did, than, yeah, earlier in the season. It just like what he's able to, what he was able to do in the pick and roll with DeAndre Jordan. Yeah, I mean, say what you want about him, but he's good in the pick and roll for for what Luca is able to bring to the table. Yeah. Um, Harrison Barnes also just that guy that can hit. Threes Shots. in the corner. Um, Trey Young didn't have John Collins, who, again, one He's of the like second best player. The second best player. Um, I think John Collins missed the first like twenty games of the season. Um, Kevin Herter wasn't really Kevin Herter until like a couple months ago. Right. I don't know. I just and like again, just what he had to deal with going into this season. Like he did, he did terrible in summer ball. Right. Um, yeah. And. Going into like at the end of November, he was average, like I think he was shooting twenty per no he was shooting nineteen percent from three. Since the All Star break, he's averaging over twenty five points per game and his shoot and like has brought his uh, like three point percentage up to thirty seven percent from three, which is remarkable considering how many he takes. You know yeah. what I mean? So like this guy has completely turned his season around. He's and he's able to like he put up all the big stats that Luca was putting up to at the beginning yes. of the season. Luca's also kind of tailed off at the end because of those injuries. Look, I'm giving it to Luca because I love what he does. And going forward, like in the next five years, who would I want? Trey Young and Luca Doncic. I want Luca just because of his basketball IQ, especially. Yeah. Um, but what Trey is doing, like 
it is a closer rookie of the year case than what people want to admit. No, because absolutely. of the hate that Trey Young yeah. gets on a daily basis. So. I think Trey Young got a lot. He got a lot of those Steph Curry comparisons coming out of the league. Which I think sucks. Which sucks, and I think a lot of people like a lot of people didn't like hearing that. So like that's where a lot of that criticism comes from. And yeah, he is one of those guys who likes to pull up from very deep, like just like Steph Curry. And I think yeah, it's really clicked for him as of late. You know, they've beaten some. They've been towards um, kind of you know the bottom of the NBA, but I think they've been coming, great. Yeah, they have been great. But I, I looking at this and how bad the Hawks kind of are. He may like, I don't want to say he's one of those good stats, bad teams guy, but like he's really shown progress from you know being a rookie in the NBA. From, yeah, you know, day one. And he's an elite passer in this league. Yeah, you know, and he's made some clutch shots. You know, his teammates don't seem to hate him. Like he does like some moments where like I watched a lot of like NBA Reddit streams with the Hawks when <laughs> just kind of had some yeah, downtime. Yeah, sure. And, you know, he can sometimes, like, you know, when he goes 5 for 12, like, 5 for 14 from the field, his teammates don't want to get it to him. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes like, it seems like he after that he becomes a little more passive because he's just like, why aren't you giving me the ball? Right. But, like, again, his assist numbers are great. Um, I don't know. I just think it's closer than a lot of people want to admit just because they want to keep their the same opinion or, like, the, the they want to be right about the projection yeah. at the beginning of the season. And I'm so fed up with that because – Again, I just think that he's going to be a really solid NBA player yeah. going and forward. I do want to say one thing. People do kind of sleep on what DeAndre Ayton was able to do this year. He yes. averaged – I mean, he was on the Suns. He was the first overall pick in last year's draft. And I think he's averaging – I mean, most of the year he was averaging 18 and 12. I mean, he's going to end up averaging 16 points and 10 rebounds. But with a field goal percentage of 58.5, I think DeAndre Ayton – I mean, that, those are great numbers too for a rookie. I mean, averaging double-double like that. He can, I mean, all three of these guys that we're talking about had, you know, can all be all NBA guys, I think, potentially. Yeah. You know, especially if they, like, just keep the progression up. And honestly, like, what DeAndre Aiden, his biggest thing going into his NBA career was the effort. Yeah. Was he willing to his put motor. in that effort? And honestly, on defense, I mean, there's been times where he's like, okay, dude, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. But there are other times you're like, okay, this guy's playing defense. He's really, like, you know, moving around yeah. screens when he needs to <clears> and, like, Putting in that extra effort that, like, hey, if I'll take DeAndre Ayton when he puts in the effort. Like, that guy is a monster. Exactly. Um, I mean, we were making comparisons about him being Patrick Ewing in terms of his physical size. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I like that. And honestly, I don't even mind the Marvin Bagley pick that they yeah. had this past year. Like, I know that, again, you passed on Luka, and that's just got to be so excruciating. Yeah. But, like, my, Marvin Bagley, he's had, like, his highs have been pretty high. And he, like, people were saying that he didn't have uh he was just one of those between players that like they didn't know where to put him like you yeah. know are, is he a three four or he a comes four? off the bench right for the yeah things? but then yeah. the times that he starts though he hasn't been doing poorly yeah, it's just I he mean, gets he's been injured like uh right you know after he gets he's played like, 61 games yeah so far, so. um so like i don't think that's a bad pick for the kings necessarily especially they have their point guard of the future in uh De'Aaron fox yep. like um, I mean, this has just been a really solid draft class, and um, oh, I think I mean Marvin Bradley has has a lot of room to grow in this in this yes. um, um, Kings offense. With like you said, De- De'Aaron Fox is leading their uh, team at point guard, and then they have a. I mean, I think having a champion, you know, veteran wing like Harrison Barnes is going to help a lot, and Willie Cauley Stein. Fits their system really well, I think too. And Buddy Yields, you know, underrated shooting guard. So I mean, and he's come out of nowhere. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, this team has a lot of young potential that can you know really grow and compete in the West. But I think, I mean, yeah, there's still a few players away from being like a championship contender. Yeah, and I would agree with that. But I'm just saying that like Bagley fits what they have, like what they have going on and in terms of their trajectory. Like 
he's right there with uh, some of these other rookies that people were saying that maybe should have been taken in front of him. Um, he's just been a pleasant surprise because I was pretty down on him going into, uh, you know, going into this season. But um, let's move to like most improved. I think this might be the one that we're the most aligned on, if I had to guess. Um, who is your most improved player? My most improved player is going to be Pascal Siakam. You know, looking at his um, stats his first three years, he didn't really play. He played, I think, what, five games last year. <laughs> and then um, – or no, he played – 81 or games oh no games i'm looking at game start he played he played 81 games last year but looking back from his rookie year from 2016 to 17 i mean he's gone from four seven four points to seven points to now averaging 17 points a game he's so versatile next to Kawhi. he's a great matchup at the four you know he can take guys off the dribble he can shoot pretty decently well and he's all over the place defensively he's one of those high motor guys and i think you got to give it to him i mean people i think the reason you got to give it to him over someone else because he's just kind of shown up out of nowhere like no one expected this jump to happen and i think that's why you got to give a nod to him dude 100 percent. and honestly an underrated part of this is how, how he functions in nick nurse's uh system yeah. like he's averaging just under three uh just under three three-point attempts a game and is shooting at 37% for a big guy who's yeah, able to do huge. a lot of... Yeah, 6'10 guy you can put on the floor. Exactly. Just surround Kawhi with guys who can shoot threes, you know. Like, just all those guys can really just step right. up. And, uh, yeah, he's been fantastic. I don't think there's really much of a discussion here. I know. I think some people may say D'Angelo Russell's the most improved player. But I I'm think... Out. he Yeah, so am I. He did a pretty good year for the Nets last year. It wasn't as good as his all-star year this year, but... Um, the Knicks, I mean, the, or the Nets are just in a playoff spot, but I think kind of once Russell got dumped to the Nets, I think people kind of started to see the potential he had. So I think, but like this season, Pascal, no one saw that coming out of anywhere. So no. and I that's think, why you got to give it to him. I think I'm going to look this up really quickly. Um, but I think that D'Angelo Russell is like top 10 in usage rate too. Like his numbers, like, like, while, um, let's see, yeah, he's sixth in the league in usage percentage at 32%. Like, I feel like his numbers could have been better. Like, he's shown great flashes this year, and, like, um, but 21-7, like, I'm not sure, like, if that deserves, like, more recognition over someone, like, what Pascal has done. Yeah. I mean, like, he's just meant more. But maybe that's not what this award's about. Maybe it is about individual achievement. I mean, he's averaging six more points a game than he did last year. I don't know. I mean, there's also the. I remember this. I think one game against the Raptors where, I mean, he was so bad during the game that they had to they put in Scott Dinwiddle or whatever his name is. Oh, uh, Spencer Dinway. Yeah, Sten, sorry. I, some of these yeah, names just sure. combined in my I head. Mean, sometimes, he, but. I mean, he was po- possibly going to be a guy for most improved player too. He was a rookie oh, last year. He was great. Yeah, yeah. and he, Russell's been hurt. I know a few games, but and he's a great guy to fill in. You know, got to come off the bench. I think. Yeah. No. Definitely. I'm just saying, like. Pascal's been so consistent in a way that, while like again like Russell's highs are like again so like they're so high and he's uh, got a lot of potential. Maybe the Lakers are kind of kicking themselves after making that trade, uh, just yeah. dumping him off with Tim- uh, Timothy Moskov. But, right. Um, you know, I th- I just think you got to give it to Siakam. And again, I'll, I think we both agree that there's not much of a discussion yeah, here. And I think the next one's kind of similar. It is six man of the year. Uh, Who's yours? Mine is, I mean, six-man Lou Williams. I think second year in a row, it's going to be his third overall six-man award. What do you mean? I mean, this. if you look at this Clippers team, 
you know, on paper, they, they didn't look too good, but they started off the year really well. Um, they Mid-season, they traded away Tobias Harris, their best player. We thought that was it? Yeah, exactly. I'm like, all right, they're not they're going to stop winning, but Williams will still come in the game, drop 25. But, you know, he, he's been leading this team to in the, into the playoffs to, to secure a playoff spot. I think right now they're in the eighth spot. And I think with Lou Williams, he broke the record this year mm-hmm. for most career points off the bench by an NBA player Love ever. It. And that was at like a little, it was like 1,100, one, or 1,000, or I know it was 11,000, I think, 154 points, I think, is he broke the record by doing that. So, I mean, that's which is most by any career player off the bench. So, I think you just got to give it to him. He's averaging 20 points a game off the bench. And that's what I was going to say. He's averaging 20 points a game in a team that, you know, just barely climbed to that eighth yeah. seed, and you know, a guy from the bench is leading them a team to the playoff spot. He's a great example of someone of like it doesn't matter if you start or not. No. Honestly, it depends on if you're closing games, and, right? You know, giving him that. I mean, yeah, I don't he's know. getting starters minutes. He's just not starting games. He's closing them. That's. I mean, I think that's what we should really start assessing players on. Like, are yeah. you closing games? That's right. when it really matters. Um, I mean, I think. Uh, I think it was the year before Isaiah was sh- shipped off. Amir Johnson for the Celtics was starting uh, at center, but he was only averaging like seven points or seven minutes a game. Really? You know what I mean? Like we just yeah, uh, these games started are probably a little bit higher. Yeah. I just can't even think of someone else who would really challenge Lou Williams in this. I mean, role. I think Derrick Rose had he showed a great potential mm-hmm. this year. I mean, and he ended up starting a lot of games because of injuries, but he was averaging eighteen points off the game. He had a 50-point game, I know, this year. His He's improved his outside shot tr- are like tremendously. So He was I'm, top five in the NBA at a certain point, three points. Exactly, percentage. and I think, I think if uh, Derrick Rose would have um, you know, played out the season healthy, he could have won either six-man or uh, most improved player just because of how effective he was. You know, His best season since his MVP season. No, definitely, dude. So do you want to dish on Paul Pierce really quickly? or do Yeah, you I'd love to... to talk about it real quick. I Cause mean, because I, I, have... I have strong feelings for it too. I have some really strong opinions. So if you all haven't, if you're still listening, if you haven't, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't uh, heard about this, and I really can't imagine you haven't if you've listened this far in the podcast, Paul Pierce was on national television right after. Do you, it was like one of the last. It was season. NBA co- Countdown, I think, like on Wednesday or so, or it was. It was after one of the games, though, I thought. Maybe. It was, yeah. I know. It was on NBA Countdown, though. It was a broadcast of the ESPN games. And Paul Pierce, along with Jalen Rose, Michelle Beadle, and usually like Byron Scott or mm-hmm. Ryan Winhorse or another reporter guy is on set with them. And, yeah, he said what he said. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, Paul Pierce was asked, are you better than Dwayne Wade? And he said without hesitating, yeah, I am better than D. Wade. Give me LeBron. Give me uh, Chris Bosh. Shaq. And Shaq, exactly. It's like, um, give me those players, and I probably would have had three or four championships easily. He said that. Now, my biggest take on this, dude, is just while... I mean, NBA Twitter has destroyed Paul Pierce. The yeah. memes have been never-ending. Dwayne Wade's kids even gotten into it. Yeah, exactly. His <laughs> son, uh, who's actually a pretty decent prospect. Yeah, um, yeah he will be one. Yeah, he'll be one. Um, but what pisses me off about this is that a week ago, Kobe Bryant was on Jimmy Kimmel's show, I believe it was, and he was asked, okay, you, uh, he was saying, like, you can either rank the, you, MJ, and LeBron one through three, or you can eat, like, goat testicles. I don't know what it actually yeah. was, but it was something really obscure. And, 
you know, Kobe was just like, okay, I'm number one, MJ's number two, and LeBron's number three. And I think that most circles outside of Kobe stands will say that, you know, MJ is number one, LeBron's yeah. number two, and Kobe's number three. But we love Kobe for that because he is showing the Mamba mentality yes. of being like the greatest player of all time. But then Paul Pierce is asked, are you better than Dwayne Wade? Is someone, Paul Pierce just being a couple of years removed from the league who was known for his competitiveness, the guy that wasn't the most athletic guy in the court towards the end of his career or like halfway through his career, is still able to average over 20 points a game yeah. in the NBA. And like, you know, you asked, you know, is an NBA champion? Um, and you, I mean, wh- what is he supposed to say in that situation? Like, no. Yeah, I'm, I'm, it's... Because then Twitter is going to come back at you and say, oh, no. Say the like, same thing about or, it. You're so weak. That's why you only won one championship. Yeah. It's like we're fucking Goldilocks all around the clock when it comes to this, like, I don't know. I just, I don't blame Paul Pierce for coming with this take. Now, I think he's wrong. I yeah. think that peak Dwayne Wade is better than peak Paul Pierce. Um, and and I do think some of what he said is true, though, about, like, you know, he had a better roster. Dwayne Wade had a better roster uh, from 20, uh, 2006 and on. Yeah, you could say the same thing about a lot of players. You exactly. Allen Iverson a certain amount of players. I mean, he took a team to, by himself to the finals. I mean, you say yeah. the same thing about LeBron earlier in his career. You can say the same thing about Reggie Miller. Anyone, anyone in the Michael Jordan era, really. Exactly. So, like... I don't know. Just because this guy has a wrong take, we have to shit on his entire career now? Yeah, I it think, makes no sense. I think me. it's just like people are really caught up in the Dwayne Wade one last dance, his final year, you know, a whole episode that he's kind of brought upon himself. And, like, people want to make sure Dwayne Wade gets that credit and love. So I think, yeah. Dwayne Wade is making sure that Dwayne Wade gets right, that credit Right, yeah. And, love. and, you know, yeah, <laughs> he's, he's, yeah, doing the same thing. And I think that's why Paul Pierce is receiving so much hate because this is kind of the year of Wade or whatever outside of everyone all the playoff contenders and everything this is the side story you know the little you know fairy tale ending for a player like him but yeah i mean i agree with a lot of what you say like what is paul pierce supposed to say look like a little like look soft and like say say no like doing ways better i mean just surrender every all his accomplishments and everything they're all pretty i mean looking at like some of their stats he's not far behind d wade in like a lot of aspects but i understand where he comes from saying yeah if i had lebron in his prime if i had shag too it all. I mean, Chris, I mean, Paul Pierce had a chance to win a second, you know, a second championship, but got denied by that Lakers team back in yeah, 2011 yeah. or 10, I think it was. But I mean, yeah, it is Paul. Pierce, it's not unfair, but I mean, I guess Paul Pierce kind of brought some of it. He kind of took it once he admitted it. He kind of took it a little overboard, saying some other stuff. But like, yeah, do I think he's right? No, but I think Dwayne Wade, you know, has got a more respectable career and. Um, just based off everything put together. I agree. I, I just don't understand why we have to completely shit on what Paul Pierce was doing. He was know? a great... I mean, well, I remember growing up as a huge LeBron fan, Paul Pierce really killed me. And th- those Celtics team were so good. I remember LeBron had so much respect for Doc Rivers and everyone on those Celtics teams because they owned him before he started owning them. So yeah, it's like kind of like... I grew up watching Paul Pierce hitting a lot of clutch shots, and it would have been great to see him, you know, earlier in his career when he had because some of those Celtics teams when he was mid two thousands were bad. Like they, they were, were not historically yeah, bad. Yeah. They were not very good, and he was still carrying a team. I mean, he only averaged th- like two and a half less points career wise by D Wade, and I think, I mean, yeah, he, I get where he's coming from, but it's just a, it's just kind of a tough situation. 
I also think that Pierce would have been so much better in today's NBA if he were to come in with his 1999 self where he's this athletic guy who uh, who can dunk but also hit threes and like wants to shoot a lot of threes. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, just looking at the stats, I mean, like he wasn't like in 2001, he was like attempting six threes a game, which back then is a lot. Yeah. Actually, oh, you know what I mean? So like if you put him in today's NBA, I mean, he's probably averaging more points um a game than he did in the end and I really don't like the Paul Pierce hate just because of one I mean like I'm so done with him as a commentator in general that yeah right like, he just has some really bad takes I think he's been let off uh, the hook a little bit with some of them like that Duke this Duke team could have beat the Cleveland Cavaliers no, like no. he said that at the beginning of the season it's moronic um, but yeah. let's not cancel Paul Pierce uh, as a player, just because we want to cancel him as a commentator. Yeah. That's all I have to say about that. But um, anything else you want to say before we wrap up the pod? No, I just think, I mean, as the NBA season comes to a close, I'm pretty excited to see the way uh, the playoffs shape out. I mean, there are also some, you know, disappointments I've had about the year. But, you know, overall pretty good, you know, looking forward to everything else coming in the league. I'm interested to see what happens next year. Um, I just really hope that we can kind of just enjoy this season more than I feel like it just wasn't as enjoyable as it was. Like, or as it could have been. As the it potential. could have been. Just because like everyone was so negative. I'm just really excited to see. I think that we kind of hit the reset button once we hit the playoffs, and now it's just all about basketball. There's yeah. no drama that's really coming around. Right. Like um, maybe we'll see it at the end with like it's the Celtics versus the Pacers or something crazy like that happening. But like, you know. I don't know. I just can't wait for the positive vibes to return. Absolutely. We can just be about basketball. Um, well, Pat, thanks so much for sitting down with me yeah, and talking sure. some hoops. And thank you all for listening to another episode of the You Listen, I Talk podcast. If you haven't done so already, we encourage you to subscribe to our pages on the Apple Podcast app and SoundCloud. And if you want to contact us, you can always do so at you listen, I Talk mailbag at gmail.com. Uh, thanks again for tuning in. And until next time.